0: Miss to, to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
2: Good Thursday afternoon to you. Rainy day here in South Mississippi. Bob Getty with you from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg this afternoon. Where it is overcast and heavily raining. We hope uh, wherever you're at, uh, you are warm and dry and happy. And we're glad you're tuned in this afternoon. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. We love some Dickie's Barbecue. You can, too. You can enjoy it seven days a week right here in Hattiesburg next to the Turtle Creek Mall. Justin and the gang do a fabulous job. You can enjoy it in the dining room. You can drive through and pick it up. They'll even deliver it to your house. It's always fresh. It's always delicious. And they're always available to help you cater any occasion that you may have, large or small. The next time you're in the, in the need for catering, be sure that you remember Dickie's Barbecue. All right, we've got a full show today. Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation is going to be on the show in a bit. Kelly Sander as well. But right now, uh, a lot of baseball news to kick off the show today. So I uh, I brought a longtime observer of uh, baseball, Southern Miss baseball, uh, back on the show. A good friend of mine, Al Holder. And Al, uh, the Conference USA picks come out today. The Golden Eagles picked to win the, uh, the brand-new uh, Conference USA Western Division. Florida Atlantic uh, picked to win the East. I don't think either one of those are very big surprises. Four kids off the Southern Miss team uh, picked on the preseason team, and I kind of wanted to get your thoughts about these kids. And I want to start with a kid who will come back as a senior. He is the preseason pitcher of the year. He's from Fayetteville, Arkansas, and that's the big, tall, strappy Walker Powell. You've watched him play every year. Your thoughts about Walker Powell, and, and what do you think he'll bring to the team this year?
3: Well, certainly a lot of experience. Uh, He's, uh, as you know, he's a real big kid, tall kid, and so he's intimidating on the mound. And uh, every time I've watched him and he's had a lot of success, uh, I've I've thought that uh, when he controlled the uh, strike zone, uh, because he's not an overpowering pitcher, but when he controlled the strike zone with movement on the ball, he was just really, really, really good.
2: Yeah, uh, Coach Berry, what Coach Berry says about him all the time is he's just so steady. He's just so dependable. He's not flashy. You sometimes even kind of overlook him a little bit, but what he does is he just gets outs. Yeah,
3: exactly right. Yep, and that's why he's uh, been a starter for the last three years. All right, there's
2: another kid uh, really well known. uh, No surprise that he makes the uh, all-conference team, and he's really one of the most dynamic kids I think we've seen in a long time here, and that's junior Gabe Montenegro.
3: Gabe is my favorite player on the ball club. He just, because when he's, when he, you know, when he comes up to the plate and he's leading off in the first inning and he makes something happen, it just sets the stage for the rest of the ball game. He's, uh, he's, he's a spark plug. And, you know, later on in the game when he's, he comes up and there's, they've got their runners, uh, on the bases, uh, he's, uh, He's able to drive runs in, move people around. He steals bases. He, he makes some terrific catches in the outfield. He's just got it all. I I think if I were a major league manager, I would want to take a really good hard look at that kid uh, uh, going forward.
2: Right. Well, another another kid that makes and this kind of speaks to the pitch, pitching staff this year. Senior Hunter Slater, who I think will, will likely be the closer uh he's also picked uh, as a preseason uh all conference player your thoughts about hunter
3: yeah hunter's uh when he, when he uh when he sticks his chin out and he, he gets serious uh, on the mound uh he he's pretty dangerous and uh I, i've watched him pitch for years and years and really like the kid he's a real competitor and i think that's uh, as a right-handed uh, closer coming out of the uh uh out of the bullpen i think he's going to be a real valuable Pass that to the ball club. We've also got uh, about four left-handed pitchers: uh, Oaks, Tweedy, uh, Chandler, Best, and uh, and uh, Drew Boyd. And I'm hoping one of them can uh, maybe, you know, be like the eighth inning guy, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a setup, uh, you know, to bring in Stanley late and as a right-hander. I think that would that mm-hmm. would uh, bode well for the ball club.
2: Yeah, I agree. And going going back real briefly to Walker Powell, another asset with Walker is generally speaking, he he gets you to the seventh inning. I mean, exactly. he he rarely comes out uh, before the all right. The third pitcher that made the preseason uh, team, and this is a kid with a whole lot of upside. I know he's battled some injuries, and he's a youngster. But just how good do you think Gabe Shepard can be if if he can stay healthy, Al?
3: As good as we've mm-hmm. ever had. I mean, he was he was hitting triple digits. So. Last year, mm-hmm. I mean, it just, you know, the he he has just got he just completely overpowers the batter. Balls in the catcher's mitt, and the and the batter still trying to uh, to uh, unload his swing. It's uh, he's really 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 good. He's got a lot going. for – If he can develop another pitch uh, without you know stressing out his arm and everything, I think he's going to be just that much better.
2: All right, so you've got the Walker Powell, Gabe Shepard, Hunter Stanley, Gabe Montenegro, all. On the preseason uh, conference USA team, is there anybody that that maybe jumps out at you? And there may not be, but is there anybody that jumps out at you that you think should have been on that team?
3: You know, somebody mm. I've always thought just 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 had so much talent was Cody Carroll, and uh, I'm I, if, I, if I'm correct, he's going to be coming back this year, and I just I would really like to see him uh, uh, step it up.
2: Right. All right, well, so that's who's on the preseason team. Uh, Excuse me, the the predicted standings over in the East, Florida Atlantic, Old Dominion, International, Western Kentucky, Charlotte Marshall. I don't think there's a a big surprise there that Florida Atlantic's picked to win the East. Of course, that is our – that is (laughs) – our Eastern Division opponent that we will be playing this year, but I like that. I I, I love competing with uh, watching the Eagles compete with Florida Atlantic, Southern Me Miss too. picked to finish in the West first place, followed by Louisiana Tech, Rice, Middle Tennessee, San Antonio, UAB. No surprise there. Louisiana Tech and Rice are probably uh, on the heels of Southern Miss. No no surprise, yeah. right?
3: Yes, yes, no question. And you were t- a couple other players. Uh, the uh, uh, Danny Lynch, uh, sorry, you know he just looks a lot slimmer this year, right. and I believe he's going to have a uh, going to step it up and have a great year this year.
2: Right. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and, and of course, um, you know we got got a lot of newcomers coming in too, so it's, it's pretty exciting, and I know that everybody's excited. So, I want I want to take you back in the last couple of minutes. We've got. <clears throat> I know you've been a longtime supporter of the baseball program and uh, one of the first people to buy, you know, the the chair back seats and that sort of thing when they expanded the stadium. You told me before we went on the air that the Southern Miss hadn't always gotten the love that that it gets now, you know, consistently picked as a top 30 team, you know, consistently picked to win uh, Conference USA when when did we get to the level we're at? What was the defining moment, in your view, that put Southern Miss baseball where it's at today?
3: I think the run to the uh, World Series uh, in Corky's last year. Corky had some really good teams, and then he had some that just didn't live up to expectations. But that run to the World Series, uh, it was like everything clicked and, and went and in, 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 in got into place. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but in the first game over there the World Series, uh, you know we almost beat Texas, who ended up winning the whole thing. Right. And uh, so it's uh, uh it's I think that's kind of the spark that that started all of it. Corky, uh, to me, kind of put everything in place, and uh, Scott has just ta- taken that and and advanced it on for, uh, even further. Scott Barry's done a great job recruiting. Uh, spends a lot of time around. Uh, Around the Hattiesburg area, you know, with a couple hundred miles, hundred miles of Hattiesburg, there's just so much talent down there, and uh, he's just done a terrific job with that. I'm been really impressed with Scott.
2: And, and you do believe that the trip to the World Series and then the consistent play in postseason ha- has led to the type caliber players that we have now? Because people say this may be the most talented, deepest Southern Miss baseball team yet.
3: I remember uh, going back, up uh, and I, I don't even remember how long ago it was, but it was at least a decade ago. And I was sitting in the stands, and we were hosting the conference tournament, and it was one of the teams from Florida, and their son was playing uh, for you know baseball uh, for that team, and it was one of the Florida teams. And uh, he he when he stepped on the the field there, he just he he told his mom and dad. He said, "I think I've died and gone to heaven." <laughs> <laughs> that that's what they thought of our facilities, our club, our baseball field, and uh, the respect that we had even a decade ago.
2: I had the same experience a few years ago with some old Dominion families. The first time they came here to play in the conference uh, tournament, and they, they were great people. You know, they were wonderful people, and, and they they were the same way. They they said that their kids were just enamored with the facility and the atmosphere. And I remember them telling me it was. Heads and Heels, the greatest college venue and atmosphere their sons had ever played in. So that's quite a compliment. All right, Al, I I enjoyed sharing the good news with you. I knew you'd have some great perspective about these kids and the program, and uh, I'll look forward to enjoying baseball with you very soon, my friend.
3: Yep, hope to see you soon, Bob. All right. Take
2: care. Al Holder, everybody. Nobody loves Southern Miss baseball more. Who better to talk to this morning, uh, this afternoon, when we find out that Southern Miss picked to win the Conference USA West and battle Florida Atlantic, an old familiar foe for the conference championship. Can't wait for it to get started. We'll be back.
0: You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top.
2: Second segment of the show today, sponsored by Campus Bookmart. CampusBookmart.net. Great place to buy Southern Miss apparel, school books, stuff for your car, stuff for your house. Miss Kathleen is so nice and uh, told us here recently that you can even call Campus Bookmart. Get her on the phone. Tell her what you're looking for. She'll go find it for you. Talk it over with you over the phone. And uh, if it's what you want, she will mail it to your house. I just don't know how you get any better customer service than that. I want to thank Al Holder for joining us, giving us his input into all the Conference USA baseball news. Kelly Center coming up later. But right now, if he, I asked Keith Hinton from Big Old Nation to make a return appearance this week. He graciously did because this news sorts of, sort of pops out today today. Uh, Heath, and, and here's the first thing I would ask you. Uh, you know, the the, the league is, is picking Southern Miss to win the West, FAU to win Florida Atlantic to win the East, Louisiana Tech and Rice second and third in the West, Old Dominion and Florida International in the East. I, I find that hard to argue with in any respect, and I think in the fact of the matter is, though, is that any of those six teams could beat any of the other on a given day. Is that fair to say?
4: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a very good baseball division. And like I said before, the whole thing about Conference USA is these teams, they just got – there's no teams that are going to take a back seat because everybody's coming back. I think this is going to be the best baseball you've ever seen in the NCAAs this year as as a whole. Mm -hmm. And because of that, anybody can be beat on any given day because I think – A lot of teams are going to be able to hit. They're going to be able to field. You're not going to have players that are coming in that don't really know what's going on. Everybody has – everybody is coming in with experience. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have kids that are stepping up as really – a lot of kids that are going to step up as true freshmen to play. You're just not going to have that. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be – and this is where anybody can beat anybody, and we're going to have the best baseball we've seen in the NCAAs maybe ever.
2: And, you know, Heath, that may be that may not be just this year because with the way the major leagues have cut back on minor league operations, now whether they add them back it remains to be seen. But, you know, if they stay like they are now and they don't add back all these uh, levels of, of, of minor league baseball, you may see more kids staying around for their senior year in college baseball.
4: Yeah, and, and another thing, uh, I believe it was this year they didn't have as many rounds in the draft either. Right. So when you don't have as many rounds, you don't maybe don't have as many teams. Uh yeah, uh, you're gonna see a lot more kids stick around that would probably leave after, you know, a couple of years if you know, if they got drafted and decided I'm gonna go ahead and take my chances and they're drafted in the back in the day when they were drafted in the eighteenth, nineteenth round. Mm-hmm. Now they're not gonna probably not going to have that many rounds and not going to have that many opportunities to play, so a lot more kids are going to stick
3: around
2: if there's a dark horse in the league, a team not picked to finish first in the west or the east, but a team with the with the talent and the ability to upset a southern miss and a Florida Atlantic, who would that team be, Keith
4: I think we were talking about it earlier, Bob I think rice,
2: yeah, maybe yeah.
4: I think Rice is a team that you know they got better as the season went along last year. Um, You know it's hard to come in; uh, they're it's hard to come in and follow Wayne Graham, but he's had to come in and he's built a team. I think Rice is one of those teams that two years ago in the conference when they had the tournament got better and better. I think with everybody coming back, experience. I think Rice is one of those teams you better watch out for because. Look, there's just no there's just no questioning it. The, uh, they're the way baseball's played at Rice has been so good for so long. They have such a deep tradition that you just can't count them out.
2: Right. And, and let us not forget that uh, last year it took some some late inning dramatics. Uh, <laughs> well, year before last, because le- le- we didn't have a tournament last year, but in the last tournaments, what I'm trying to say late-inning dramatics from Big Matt Wallner, who, who pulls a home run to uh, walk off the game. Uh, Rice was very close to beating Southern Miss early in the tournament two years ago.
4: Yeah, and Matt, hits one that I still don't think uh come down yet, or if it has, it came down on top of the Bay it so far. right, right, um, That was a shot. Man, everybody remembers that. Yeah, you're right. That's what I'm talking <clears throat> about. They're just a team that – Tradition. They got better. They played Southern Miss tough two years, and we got to go over what happened two years ago because it's such a short season last year.
2: Yeah, it doesn't really mean so, anything.
4: No, you, you gotta you gotta look at it and say, hey, this is a team that if they can find some more pitching, if they can find a couple of bats, could be really dangerous, especially in the West.
2: Yeah. One thing that kind of surprises me about these picks, though, Heath is, I, you know, and I, and I realize you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am, that the longtime coach at UAB re- retired. Uh, and UAB's always been a really competitive baseball program, but they're picked to finish dead last in the West. I, I find it hard to believe the UAB program could, could fall that quickly.
4: Yes. I mean, especially with you know, as I said, I, I don't know if they're gonna be that bad of a team. I just think they're rebuilding and maybe last year they didn't have much time to rebuild, hadn't any play- pieces in place and gonna come in this year, but you know, it's they spent so much on baseball and basketball over there and, and they put so much of their um they put so many of their eggs into those baskets, redoing, you know, building a new brand new nice basketball stadium. I mean, football stadium, their basketball arena is being redone. So, I mean, it's, uh, you kind of look at it and you go, maybe baseball's had to take a back seat a little bit, and maybe that's why they're not as good. There's just not much attention the on them.
2: Yeah. I- I'm going to be surprised, though, if UAB finishes behind Middle Tennessee and San Antonio, but, w- but we'll see. All right. A uh, couple of minutes left, and I do want to touch on basketball real quickly with you now that I have you back today, but. Uh, You know, the preseason kids and uh, Gabe Shepard, Hunter Stanley, Montenegro, Walker Powell, I- I'd like you to talk for just a minute about where Walker Powell, who was the preseason pitcher of the year pick, where in the end is Walker Powell going to figure in, uh, in-, in the great Southern Miss pitchers that we've seen come through this school?
4: By the time this season's over, he's going to be right up there at the top. I mean, there's no question about it. The guy is – He's a sinker ball pitcher. He, he he he's been doing it now. I mean, we're going on for him as five years. Um, I, I think you got to put him right up there at the top it, with his ability to get ground balls. And I mean, it, it, to me, especially being the preseason pitcher of the year, I think you're going to think him right up there in the top four or five before it's over with, Bob.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. And uh, and and another kid that that was picked preseason, uh, the jury's still out. Uh, my buddy Al Holder said before we brought you on that that if he can stay healthy, he thinks Gabe Shepard can be among the best ever. He does have incredible velocity, uh, but is it fair to say that right now the the concern, if there is one, with this kid would be long term health.
4: Yeah, I think he injured himself, uh, before the season, before summer, maybe after the season last year, before they got in school, I'm not sure what happened. Um, but yeah, if he's healthy, ask Arizona State about how hard he is to hit. Right. Um, in that regional where he just shut down a team that was absolutely explosive at the plate. He has nasty stuff. He has a slider, uh, plus, plus, plus fastball. A curveball, I mean, the guy has everything. So if he's healthy and he's on his game, you're talking, like, unhittable stuff. Like, I hate to say this, but the Nick Sandlin type of unhittable stuff that he had his last year at Southern Miss.
2: Right. And final question, when I think of great closers, my favorite is undoubtedly Colin Cargill was so dramatic and – uh and was so effective. Uh, Hunter Stanley can be a mighty good closer this year, though. Is that not right?
4: I really do think that, but I think a lot of people. Uh, I think he's going to be a starter this year. Think so? I think. I think so. I think Scott Berry has uh, think about moving to the starter position because you're going to need that fourth guy of the pen. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, as I said, Nick Sandlin did it. Well, he, he sure did it. it he
2: did, he did it in style against Mississippi State. I'll, I, if I live to be a hundred and fifty, I won't ever forget that night. But so so, if you move if you move Stanley to a starting role, then who steps in? You think as the closer, Heath?
4: Um, you got choices out there. You've got Ock. Uh, you've got some different guys that can close for you. I think it's like one of those. You've got a. You've got a treasure. You've got a box of riches out there in the bullpen, you can go it so many different ways. right? right. I mean, I, I think Ock is one of those guys that's just set up closers, I think is going to make a big difference. You're getting Cody Carroll coming back. People forget Cody Carroll's coming back this year, who's been really good out the bullpen. So he's got a lot of options. I don't know if he's just going to go one guy as a closer, or it may be a closer by immediately.
2: Well, we're going to start learning the answers to all these questions in a little over a week, Heath. And I know you're just about as excited about it as I am. And, uh, hey, I appreciate the extra appearance this week. I wanted to get your input on this news that broke just just before we went on the air. Uh, thanks
4: for having me, Bob. It's nothing better than
2: baseball at Southern Miss. There we go. Heath Hinton, everybody. Big Gold Nation, sign up today. Stay on top of Southern Miss athletics. Big Gold Nation, Eagle Hour. Really wouldn't ever need anything else. Thanks, Heath. We'll be back in a minute. Kelly Sanders joins me.
0: Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
2: Third segment of the Eagle Hour, sponsored every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill. I'm sure they had a great lunch there today, and I can tell you that tomorrow they'll have the best catfish that you'll eat anywhere. And being a Delta boy, I'm pretty much an expert on catfish, and it's about as good as you'll find at 4th Street Bar and Grill each and every Friday, just $8.95. Catfish and all the trimmings, and that kicks you off for a great weekend, just in the shadow of the rock with our buddies uh, slaying and the guys at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Kelly Sander joins me now. He's, he's pretty knowledgeable about food himself. And, uh, Kelly, I'm sure that uh, you would attest to the good food at 4th Street Bar and Grill.
1: Yeah, and, and I don't think, Bob, that you're, gonna, that you're really going to have any of your outdoor plans uh, <laughs> ruined. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think you're going to have any of your outdoor plans, you know. I don't think you're going to go outside anywhere right. this weekend, by the way, this weather forecast looks. So a trip to 4th <clears> Street. Might be in the offing for you because you know the, the women's softball team scheduled to have a tournament this weekend and and if they're able to get it in, I mean cold and and wet and it just it wouldn't be necessarily the best of conditions to be watching um, softball in. Now the men, of course, are entertaining North Texas on on Friday and this afternoon, and thank goodness that those those games are indoors. But <laughs> I know that uh, that Coach Barry and the baseball team are glad that they've got another week to go before the. Demons of Northwestern State come in here because this this weekend will not be ideal uh, uh, weather-wise to be doing anything outdoors. So a trip to Fourth Street might be might right. be kind of fun.
2: Well, of course, every year at baseball you you've got to have those four or five games that are so bitterly cold that you have to defrost when you get back home at night, and uh, could could very well be pretty soon, Kelly, based on what we're seeing here today.
1: Well, you just again be thankful it's not this weekend because because remember if if you're a fan that doesn't like the cold and so on they're going to play these games because remember we talked about the new turf going in right and coach Barry was talking about how efficient that that turf is going to be able to drain so there's going to be very few rainouts right. this year so if you're a baseball fan and and you know you're kind of praying for a rainout if if the weather's bad so you're not going to miss a game well they're going to play Probably.
2: Uh, suck it so, up buttercup. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, th-
1: That's right. You're gonna miss the games. So yeah, but a, but a week from tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. the countdown is on. A week Pretty from tomorrow exciting. the Eagles will hit the diamond against the demons.
2: Do you guys allow this, this rainy, nasty weather inside the gates out there at Cambridge Kelly? Or is it does it have to stop at the gates?
1: No, it's it's part of our it's part of our uh um, covenants, you know, and, and we pay extra not
2: know. to have bad weather out there. Correct. I understand. Correct. Well, you know, I, I don't really know how you guys live up there. I, I just hear bits and pieces from you from time to time, and, uh, and
1: and the people who happen to fall behind on their on their dues, so to speak, it does rain on their houses occasionally. <laughs> I see. But I see. It, it must be a computer program or something. Like that. Uh, I,
2: I, well, if if there is one like that, I'm sure it's out at Canebrake. I'm, sure <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. There's no question. <laughs> All right. Well, now Kelly, one thing that we know is going to be played is basketball, and uh, you know we had a long conversation earlier this week. Uh, you you were with me uh, yesterday, I guess, with the basketball right. coach, and uh, what a, what a fantastic guy. I mean, he's just got to give the guy a chance. But you know, in a, in, a, in a lot of ways, their backs are really up against the wall starting tomorrow, aren't they?
1: Yeah. North Texas comes in here, and and when you look at the now again. We talked about how this six-game stretch against you know Louisiana Tech and against Rice and now against North Texas, some brutal you know competition in the West. But after this, now the schedule softens a little bit as they go to the East and take on the Fu schools, you know FIU and FAU. And when you look at the standings, FIU is at, is at the is at the bottom uh, of the East. Uh, now the Eagles are going to have to, I think, go. You know, go to one of those schools, but FAU isn't much better. Okay, so I say all that um, to say when you look at the at the West standings, the Eagles are only a game behind UTEP. All right, in, in wins in the Western Division. So, um, but now they're three games behind uh, behind UTSA, and the Roadrunners have that tiebreaker. So, if the Eagles happen to get swept this weekend at home against North Texas, which North Texas is favored, even though they're on the road. Um, but if they get swept against North Texas, it's going to be nearly impossible for them to get into the tournament. You know, with the tiebreakers and things that are going to take place. So they've got to at least split, and then and then get on a roll. You know, the remaining four games in order to make the, the conference USA tournament. So big, big series. If according to Jay Ladner, one of their goals was to make the conference tournament. Okay, so in order for them to do that, again, they're going to have to at least split with North Texas this weekend, and if they can get one of those games, Bob, we've always talked about how confidence breeds competence, you know, because the schedule is going to get a little bit easier with the two the two uh, Florida schools, and then if they can, you know, maybe get on a roll, and, you know, UTEP stub its toe a little bit, and, and UTSA maybe come back to the field, but again, they're going to have to overtake UTSA in the standings, because the roadrunners have the tiebreaker for Southern Miss, so it's still an uphill climb, but it's doable. If they at least split with North Texas. right? So this by far is the biggest series so far this year. They've got to win at least one of the two, right. I would think.
2: Also, I want to point out the ladies will be back in action, Joy Lee McNellis and her girls, and uh, they'll be at North Texas. So, you know, they're doing pretty well. They're, they've been playing well as of late. You, you hope that this week that they lost because of the COVID situation doesn't stump the momentum. But uh, right now, uh, Joy Lee's got her girls playing pretty pretty strong.
1: And, and just when you get rolling again, here comes another bout of COVID, so right. you can't develop any consistency. That's been what's pulling people's hair out. Right? You know, it's just when you get on a roll, man, boom, you get, like you say, you get halted in your tracks and you have to start all over again. It's just been extremely frustrating. And it wouldn't surprise me if there are record retirements with basketball coaches this no, year. You couldn't blame them. <laughs> No, you sure can't. It's no. very, very tough. To, to have to deal with. So. Look, I want to
2: ask you about this, Kelly. We we spent the first half of the show talking about all the USM pick to win the West and Conference USA baseball and what have you. Uh, and uh, and Heath made the comment to me that he thinks this will be the best year of college baseball in a long time because of so many kids that came back that otherwise would have gone into the major league draft. Now, I think you said earlier this week you, you gave a stat on how many minor league baseball teams are just not operating And we don't know what the future holds, but do you anticipate that all of those minor league teams will be put back in operation when COVID finally passes? And if not, what impact long-term will that have on college baseball?
1: I don't think it's going to have – I think it'll, it'll be good news for college baseball as far as guys completing their careers at the college level because there won't be anywhere else to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the, the, the general manager of the New York Yankees said today, you know, because the, the Major League Baseball players rejected the owner's proposal of delaying the season and shortening it to 154 games. So let's, let's start at the beginning. So what does this mean? This means that spring training is going to begin as scheduled February 17th, 18th, and 19th. That's next week. That is next week spring training is going to start. Okay, As much as the city of Phoenix wanted spring training to be delayed because of COVID problems out in Arizona, it's going to start on time. Now, how is this for irony? That means the Major League Baseball season is going to start on April 1st. And what is April 1st? April Fool's Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to they're start Major League Baseball on April 1st as scheduled. The players are going to be subject to protocols like they were last year. But, yeah, well over 100 minor league teams have been scratched. And I think what's going to happen, I think your AA and AAA teams are going to be okay. But these rookie league teams, these high A and low A teams and, that have been spread out all over the place, I think for the time being and for the near future, they're going to go the way of the Buffalo. I don't think they're coming back. And I think when Major League finds out, the Major, major Leagues find out, how much money that they're going to be able to save by not bringing them back. I think that's going to be good news for college baseball as far as guys finishing their careers at the college level. It will be bad news for college baseball players because there won't be as many rounds in the Major League Baseball draft as evidenced by this past year. Prior to this past year, the amateur draft was 40 rounds. This past year, it was just five. Right. So if you thought you had to be a good baseball player before, how about going forward? So that's going to make that college degree even more valuable. Right. He, look, it, there's nothing wrong with having the dream of playing Major League Ball. But guys, get that degree and be ready to get a, a real job. Because the, the job of playing Major League Baseball has just gotten one heck of a lot tougher.
2: And it's not like it was easy to begin with. I mean, how many, how many kids that are drafted after their junior year? I don't know the percentage, but I'm going to say it's a very, very, very small percentage that ever play on a major league baseball team.
1: And what makes it even more difficult in the United States compared to, say, football or basketball is that there's not the competition from the Dominican and Hispanic and Latino players like there are very few latino basketball and football players for example right now you know the europeans are making their way into the nba you know but football wise there's very few you know europeans and latinos but in major league baseball you know those are those are even more great players you're going to have to compete with right so man oh man you better really be good
2: right all right, when we come back, since Kelly brought it up, I, I do want to touch real briefly on the NBA stepping in it yet again, uh, this time the Dallas Mavericks and what the league did to try to, I think, avoid another tremendously black, black eye. And I'm sure Kelly will have some other tidbits as well. The Eagle Hour right after this four-minute break will wrap up Thursday. Hope you'll stay with us.
0: Miss to the top.
2: Welcome back. Glad you're with us. Thanks for tuning in this rainy afternoon here in South Mississippi. This segment sponsored by D-One Training at D-Bat on Highway or Hardy Street, rather, not Highway 98. Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. It is a state-of-the-art facility. It has a 70-yard indoor training uh, artificial turf facility. Just the latest of all the equipment. Expert trainers. Uh, D-BAT helps kids and adults with baseball and softball. D-1 training will help you get ready for any sport that you're planning to tackle or just help you get in the best shape of your life. Check out their website. Uh, give them a call. Drop in and see them on Hardy Street. Tell them the Eagle Hour sent you and uh, find out the great world of D-BAT and D-1 training. Kelly Sander, you mentioned something. Uh, uh, we'll get away a little bit from Southern Miss Sports here in the last segment. You mentioned something about the NBA, and, Thought it was interesting that uh, the NBA has to override uh, Mark Cuban, who had apparently decided that playing the national anthem was no longer in vogue, and uh, the NBA stepped in and said, "No, everybody's going to play the national anthem." Uh, has the NBA learned a lesson from what happened to him last year? You think?
1: I think it's going to be it's going to be up to each and, and every. Every individual, you know, owner or how I don't know how the league is structured, how their how their, uh, you know, corporation is set up and, and whether teams can make that decision on their own or not. But, you know, I mean, going back to the Colin Kaepernick situation in the NFL teams that, you know, there there are consequences to all decisions that teams make. Now, Louie just heard that and certainly doesn't like it.
2: Louis didn't like uh, it, did he?
1: No, he's complaining about it as we speak. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, every, teams that, that choose not to play it, um, you know, well, there are consequences, you know, to those to those actions. And guess what? Those consequences will probably be they will be of of a financial nature. Correct. Um, and the only thing that fans can do to combat that is to endorse the product by spending money through ticket sales or. Pay per view watching it on TV or not. You know, we were joking about the Super Bowl the other day and that I didn't watch the Super Bowl and I don't, you know, I just don't want to watch Tom Brady anymore. So the only thing I can do is not watch. I know it doesn't, it's not going to do any good, but that's all I can do as an individual.
2: Well, I'm going to tell you, Kelly, apparently the NFL has paid a price for all of the stuff that went on in the league earlier part of the year in particular because I read where the Super Bowl ratings were dramatically down the, the lowest in about 15 years down to, I think they said from 125 to 90 million people uh, in the last year. And I just I just believe that some of that was that I've just heard too many people say they've just been turned off of professional sports by all of the woke political activity.
1: And again, there's there's going to be a price there, and and I, I you might disagree with me, Bob, but I do think a lot of it, not not a lot of it, but I do think there is an element that people are just tired of Tom Brady. Um, I just think that you know, look, and again, yeah, he's he's pretty good. It's um, <laughs> <He's> pretty good. <laughs> I'm I'm not going to say the the other G word, but I'm, I just people are tired of it. You know, they just want want to see something else. You know. Um but but yeah, I mean so they're gonna have to they're gonna have and, and and we found what's interesting is all the latest data suggests that when it comes to viewership with younger people, this really blew us away. The only sport that is gaining viewers with these woke millennials was was which one? Do you remember?
2: NASCAR wasn't it.
1: NASCAR
2: who would have thought that, yeah.
1: Can you and you know Michael Jordan? Has a NASCAR team this year? Yeah. Pit Bull, the the hip hop rapper, he's got a team in NASCAR this year. So the younger kids apparently are are being turned on to NASCAR, which,
2: which surprises you because NASCAR is anything but woke, Kelly.
1: Well, in in the past that that was the that was the the knock on NASCAR that it was just a bunch of rednecks that were intolerant, right? You know, um, but. For whatever reason, and I don't know if it's the way that that NASCAR is marketing itself, but and of course with people like Michael Jordan signing on and and Pitbull and some of these younger uh, iconic figures that the younger generation tends to gravitate to, you know, maybe maybe that's the secret. But they're certainly cashing in on it now. Is the the Great American Race, the Daytona Five Hundred this weekend? One hundred and one thousand seats. They they are going to limit seating um, this Sunday. But when you try to pin the Daytona officials down, they won't say exactly <laughs> how many people they're going to let in. Uh,
2: so I would, wouldn't, wouldn't want to be the ones turning those guys down that have been out there for three days, drinking beer and party and waiting on the race, would you?
1: Yeah, a, a real dangerous combination is beer, <laughs> sunshine, and big, fat, dumb guys. That's... that's <laughs> That's not, not a yeah, real good combination. Yeah, you're right. Uh,
2: and that's so. Kelly J. Center, and we will publish his uh, email address and phone number later. That called all you NASCAR guys, big fat dumb white guys. So uh, we'll we'll be sure to get that uh, personal information up on Kelly where where you can reach out and uh, touch him later in the day.
1: <laughs> and, and look if i had a ticket i'd be right there in the mosh pit all of them oh my, man you myself. both
2: they have a good time and god bless them that's what i say yeah, for about sure. the nascar nation <laughs> sure. all right that wraps up a rainy day we're gonna have uh, patrick mcgee on the show tomorrow he was uh, on a breaking news story on the coast this afternoon Kelly will rejoin me, and I think Luke will be back tomorrow. So we're looking forward to the show. Yeah, and
1: I hope, I hope they get softball in this weekend, Bob. I really do. You Absolutely. Know, something to do outside. I heard
2: the girls from North Dakota are out sunbathing as we speak, Kelly, so they're they're not affecting <laughs> it anyway. Yes, yeah, SPF 45, I
1: understand. Right.
2: <laughs> Southern Miss. <laughs>
1: to the top. I like an
0: eagle to the sea. Miss to, to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
2: Good Thursday afternoon to you. Rainy day here in South Mississippi. Bob Getty with you from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg this afternoon where it is overcast and heavily raining. We hope uh, wherever you're at, uh, you're warm and dry and happy, and we're glad you're tuned in this afternoon. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. We love some Dickie's Barbecue. You can, too. You can enjoy it seven days a week right here in Hattiesburg next to the Turtle Creek Mall. Justin and the gang do a fabulous job. You can enjoy it in the dining room. You can drive through and pick it up. They'll even deliver it to your house. It's always fresh. It's always delicious. And they're always available to help you cater any occasion that you may have, large or small. The next time you're in the, in the need for catering, be sure that you remember Dickie's Barbecue. All right, we've got a full show today. Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation is going to be on the show in a bit. Kelly Sander as well. But right now, uh, a lot of baseball news to kick off the show today. So I uh, I brought a longtime observer of uh, baseball, Southern Miss baseball, uh, back on the show, a good friend of mine, Al Holder. And Al, uh, the Conference USA picks come out today. The Golden Eagles pick to win the, uh, the brand-new uh, Conference USA Western Division. Florida Atlantic uh, picked to win the East. I don't think either one of those are very big surprises. Four kids off the Southern Miss team uh, picked on the preseason team, and I kind of wanted to get your thoughts about these kids. And I want to start with a kid who will come back as a senior. He is the preseason pitcher of the year. He's from Fayetteville, Arkansas, and that's the big, tall, strappy Walker Powell. You've watched him play every year. Your thoughts about Walker Powell, and, and what do you think he'll bring to the team this year?
3: Well, certainly a lot of experience. Uh, he's, uh, I, As you know, he's a real big kid, tall kid, and so he's intimidating on the mound. And uh, every time I've watched him and he's had a lot of success, uh, I've, I've thought that uh, when he controlled the uh, strike zone, because uh, he's not an overpowering pitcher, but when he controlled the strike zone with movement on the ball, he was just really, really, really good. Yeah, uh, Coach
2: Berry, what Coach Berry says about him all the time is he's just so steady. He's just so dependable. He's not flashy. You sometimes even kind of overlook him a little bit, but what he does is he
3: just gets outs. Yeah, exactly right. Yep, and that's why he's uh, been a starter for the last three years.
2: All right, there's another kid uh, really well-known. No surprise that he makes the uh, all-conference team, and he's really one of the most dynamic kids I think we've seen in a long time here, and that's junior Gabe Montenegro.
3: Gabe is my – favorite player on the ball club he just because when he's when he you know when he comes up to the plate he's leading off in the first inning and he makes something happen it just sets the stage for the rest of the ball game he's uh he's he's a spark plug and you know later on in the game when he's he comes up and there's they've got their runners uh on on the bases uh he's uh He's able to drive runs in, move people around. He steals bases. He, he makes some terrific catches in the outfield. He's just got it all. I I think if I were a major league manager, I would want to take a really good hard look at that kid uh, uh, going forward.
2: Right. Well, another another kid that makes and this kind of speaks to the pitch, pitching staff this year. Senior Hunter Slater, who I think will, will likely be the closer. Uh he's also picked uh, as a preseason uh all conference player. Your thoughts about Hunter?
3: Yeah, Hunter's uh when he, when he uh when he sticks his chin out and he, he gets serious uh on the mound, uh he he's pretty dangerous. And uh I I've watched him pitch for years and years and really like the kid. He's a real competitor. And I think that's uh, as a right handed uh closer coming out of the uh uh out of the bullpen, I think he's gonna be a real valuable asset that to the ball club. We've also got uh, about four left-handed pitchers: uh, Oaks, Tweedy, uh, Chandler, Best, and uh, and uh, Drew Boyd. And I'm hoping one of them can uh, maybe, you know, be like the eighth inning guy, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a setup, uh, you know, to bring in Stanley late and as a right-hander. I think that would that mm-hmm. would uh, bode well for the ball club.
2: Yeah, I agree. And going going back real briefly to Walker Powell, another asset with Walker is generally speaking, he he gets you to the seventh inning. I mean, exactly. he he rarely comes out uh, before the all right. The third pitcher that made the preseason uh, team, and this is a kid with a whole lot of upside. I know he's battled some injuries, and he's a youngster. But just how good do you think Gabe Shepard can be if if he can stay healthy, Al?
3: As good as we've mm-hmm. ever had. I mean, he was he was hitting triple digits. So. Last year, mm-hmm. I mean, it just, you know, the he he has just got he just completely overpowers the batter. Balls in the catcher's mitt, and the and the batter still trying to uh, to uh, unload his swing. It's uh, he's really 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 good. He's got a lot going. For, if he can develop another pitch uh, without you know stressing out his arm and everything, I think he's going to be just that much better.
2: All right, so you've got the Walker Powell, Gabe Shepard, Hunter Stanley, Gabe Montenegro, all. On the preseason uh, conference USA team, is there anybody that that maybe jumps out at you? And there may not be, but is there anybody that jumps out at you that you think should have been on that team?
3: You know, somebody mm. I've always thought just 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 had so much talent was Cody Carroll, and uh, I'm I, if, I, if I'm correct, he's going to be coming back this year, and I just I would really like to see him uh, uh, step it up. Right. All right, well,
2: so that's who's on the preseason team. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, This the, the predicted standings over in the East, Florida Atlantic, Old Dominion, International, Western Kentucky, Charlotte Marshall. I don't think there's a, a big surprise there that Florida Atlantic's picked to win the East. Of course, that is our – that is <laughs> – our Eastern Division opponent that we will be playing this year, but I like that. I I, I love competing with uh, watching the Eagles compete with Florida Atlantic, Southern Me Miss too. picked to finish in the West first place, followed by Louisiana Tech, Rice, Middle Tennessee, San Antonio, UAB. No surprise there. Louisiana Tech and Rice are probably uh, on the heels of Southern Miss. No no surprise, yeah. right?
3: Yes, yes, no question. And you were t- a couple other players. Uh, the uh, uh, Danny Lynch, uh, uh, sorry, you know he just looks a lot slimmer this year, right. and I believe he's going to have a uh, going to step it up and have a great year this year.
2: Right. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and, and of course, um, you know we got got a lot of newcomers coming in too, so it's, it's pretty exciting, and I know that everybody's excited. So, I want I want to take you back in the last couple of minutes. We've got. <clears throat> I know you've been a longtime supporter of the baseball program and one of the first people to buy, you know, the the chair back seats and that sort of thing when they expanded the stadium. You told me before we went on the air that the Southern Miss hadn't always gotten the love that that it gets now, you know, consistently picked as a top 30 team, you know, consistently picked to win uh, Conference USA, when when did we get to the level we're at? What was the defining moment, in your view, that put Southern Miss baseball where it's at today?
3: I think the run to the uh, World Series uh, in Corky's last year. Corky had some really good teams, and then he had some that just didn't live up to expectations. But that run to the World Series, uh, it was like everything clicked and, and went and in, 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 in got into place. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but in the first game over there at the World Series, uh, you know, we almost beat Texas, who ended up winning the whole thing. Right. And uh, so it's uh, – uh, it's I think that's kind of the spark that, that started all of it. Corky, uh, to me, kind of put everything in place, and uh, Scott has just ta- taken that and, and advanced it on for, uh, even further. Scott, Barry's done a great job recruiting, uh, spends a lot of time around uh, – around the Hattiesburg area, you know, a couple hundred miles hundred miles from Hattiesburg. There's just so much talent down there, and uh, he's just done a terrific job with that. I've been really impressed with Scott.
2: And and you do believe that the trip to the World Series and then the consistent play in postseason has led to the type caliber players that we have now because people say this may be the most talented, deepest Southern Miss baseball team yet.
3: I remember uh, going back, uh, and I, I don't even remember how long ago it was, but it was at least a decade ago. And I was sitting in the stands, and we were hosting the conference tournament, and it was one of the teams from Florida, and their son was playing uh, for you know baseball uh, for that team, and it was one of the Florida teams. And uh, he he when he stepped on the the field there, he just he he told his mom and dad. He said, "I think I've died and gone to heaven." <laughs> <laughs> that that's what they thought of our facilities, our club, our baseball field, and uh, the respect that we had even a decade ago.
2: I had the same experience a few years ago with some old Dominion families. The first time they came here to play in the conference uh, tournament, and they, they were great people. You know, they were wonderful people, and, and they they were the same way. They they said that their kids were just enamored with the facility and the atmosphere. And I remember them telling me it was. Heads and Heels, the greatest college venue and atmosphere their sons had ever played in. So that's quite a compliment. All right, Al, I I enjoyed sharing the good news with you. I knew you'd have some great perspective about these kids and the program, and uh, I'll look forward to enjoying baseball with you very soon, my friend.
3: Yep, hope to see you soon, Bob. All right.
2: Take care. Al Holder, everybody. Nobody loves Southern Miss baseball more. Who better to talk to this morning, uh, this afternoon, when we find out that Southern Miss picked to win the Conference USA West and battle Florida Atlantic, an old familiar foe for the Conference Championship. Can't wait for it to get started. We'll be back.
0: You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour, the Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top.
2: Second segment of the show today, sponsored by Campus Bookmark, CampusBookmart.net. Great place to buy Southern Miss apparel, school books, stuff for your car, stuff for your house. Miss Kathleen is so nice and uh, told us here recently that you can even call Campus Bookmart. Get her on the phone. Tell her what you're looking for. She'll go find it for you. Talk it over with you over the phone, and uh, if it's what you want, she will mail it to your house. I just don't know how you get any better customer service than that. I want to thank Al Holder for joining us, giving us his input into all the Conference USA baseball news. Kelly Center coming up later. But right now, if he, I asked Keith Hinton from Big Old Nation to make a return appearance this week. He graciously did because this news sorts of, sort of pops out today uh Heath, and, and here's the first thing I would ask you. Uh, you know, the, the the league is is picking Southern Miss to win the West, FAU to win Florida Atlantic to win the East, Louisiana Tech and Rice second and third in the West, Old Dominion and Florida International in the East. I, I find that hard to argue with in any respect, and I think in the fact of the matter is, though, is that any of those six teams could beat any of the other on a given day. Is that fair to say?
4: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a very good baseball division. And like I said before, the whole thing about Conference USA is these teams, they just got, there's no teams that are going to take a back seat because everybody's coming back. I think this is going to be the best baseball you've ever seen in the NCAAs this year as as a whole. Mm -hmm. And because of that, anybody can be beat on any given day because I think A lot of teams are going to be able to hit. They're going to be able to field. You're not going to have players that are coming in that don't really know what's going on. Everybody has – everybody is coming in with experience. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have kids that are stepping up as really – a lot of kids that are going to step up as true freshmen to play. You're just not going to have that. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be – and this is where anybody can beat anybody and we're going to have the best baseball we've seen in NCAAs maybe ever
2: And you know Heath, that may be that may not be just this year because with the way the major leagues have cut back on minor league operations now whether they add them back it remains to be seen. but you know if they stay like they are now and they don't add back all these uh, levels of, of, of minor league baseball, you may see more kids staying around for their senior year in college baseball.
4: Yeah, and and another thing, uh, I believe it was this year they didn't have as many rounds in the draft either. Right. So when you don't have as many rounds, you don't maybe don't have as many teams. Uh, yeah, uh, you're going to see a lot more kids stick around that would probably leave after, you know, a couple of years. If you know, if they got drafted and decided I'm going to go ahead and take my chances, and they're drafted in the back in the day when they were drafted in the 18th, 19th round. Mm-hmm. Now they're not gonna probably not gonna have that many rounds and not gonna have that many opportunities to play, so a lot more kids are gonna stick around.
2: If there's a dark horse in the league, a team not picked to finish first in the west or the east, but a team with the with the talent and the ability to upset a Southern Miss and a Florida Atlantic, who would that team be, Heath?
4: I think we were talking about it earlier, Bob, I think Rice.
2: Yeah, maybe,
4: yeah. I think Rice is a team that you know they got better as the season went along last year. Um, you know it's hard to come in; they're, it's hard to come in and follow Wayne Graham, but he's had to come in and he's built a team. I think Rice is one of those teams that two years ago in the conference when they had the tournament got better and better. I think with everybody coming back, experience. I think Rice is one of those teams you better watch out for because. Look, there's just no there's just no questioning it. The, uh, they're the way baseball's played at Rice has been so good for so long. They have such a deep tradition that you just can't count them out.
2: Right. And, and let us not forget that uh, last year it took some some late inning dramatics. Uh, <laughs> well, year before last, because l- l- we didn't have a tournament last year, but in the last tournament's what I'm trying to say. Late inning dramatics from Big Matt Wallner, who, who pulls a home run to uh, walk off the game. Uh, Rice was very close to beating Southern Miss early in the tournament two years ago.
4: Yeah, and Matt hits one that I still don't think uh, come down yet, or if it has, it came down on top of the Beiravagi. so far, right, right, um, that was a shot, man. Everybody remembers that. Yeah, you're right. That's what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. They're just a team that. Tradition. They got better. They played Southern Miss tough two years, and we got to go over what happened two years ago because it's such a short season last
2: year. Yeah, it doesn't really mean anything.
4: No, you got to you got to look at and say, hey, this is a team that if they can find some more pitching, if they find a couple of bats, could be really dangerous, especially in the West.
1: Yeah.
2: One thing that kind of surprises me about these picks, though, Heath is, you know, and and I realize you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am, that the longtime coach at UAB re- retired. Uh, and UAB's always been a really competitive baseball program, but they're picked to finish dead last in the West. I, I find it hard to believe the UAB program could, could fall that quickly.
4: Yes. I mean, especially with you know, as I said, I, I don't know if they're going to be that bad of a team. I just think they're rebuilding. And maybe last year they didn't have much time to rebuild, hadn't any play- pieces in place, and going to come in this year. But, you know, it's they spent so much on baseball and basketball over there, and, and they put so much of their um, – they put so many of their eggs into those baskets, redoing, you know, building a new, brand-new, nice basketball stadium. I mean, football stadium, their basketball arena is being redone. So, I mean, it's, uh, you kind of look at it and you go, maybe baseball's had to take a back seat a little bit, and maybe that's why they're not as good. There's just not much attention the on them.
2: Yeah. I- I'm going to be surprised, though, if UAB finishes behind Middle Tennessee and San Antonio, but, we- but we'll see. All right. A uh, couple of minutes left, and I do want to touch on basketball real quickly with you now that I have you back today, but. Uh, You know, the preseason kids and uh, Gabe Shepard, Hunter Stanley, Montenegro, Walker Powell, I'd like you to talk for just a minute about where Walker Powell, who was the preseason pitcher of the year pick, where in the end is Walker Powell going to figure in 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 the great Southern Miss pitchers that we've seen come through this school?
4: By the time this season's over, he's going to be right up there at the top. I mean, there's no question about it. The guy is – He's a sinker ball pitcher. He, he he he's been doing it now. I mean, we're going on a forum for him as five years. Um, I, I think you got to put him right up there at the top it, with his ability to get ground balls. And I mean, to me, especially being the preseason pitcher of the year, I think you're going to think him right up there in the top four or five before it's over with, boss.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. And, uh, and and another kid that, that was picked preseason, uh, the jury's still out. Uh, my buddy Al Holder said before we brought you on that, that if he can stay healthy, he thinks Gabe Shepard can be among the best ever. He does have incredible velocity. Uh, but is it fair to say that right now the, the concern, if there is one with this kid, would be long-term
3: health?
4: Yeah, I think he injured himself uh, before the season, before summer, maybe after the season last year before they got in school. I'm not sure what happened. Um, but, yeah, if he's healthy, ask Arizona State about how hard he is to hit. Right. Um, in that region where he just shut down a team that was absolutely explosive at the plate. He has nasty stuff. He has a slider, uh, plus, plus, plus fastball a curveball i mean the guy has everything so if he's healthy and he's on his game you're talking like unhittable stuff like i hate to say this but the nick sandlin type of unhittable stuff that he had his last year at southern miss
2: right and final question when i think of great closers my favorite is undoubtedly colin cargill was so dramatic and uh and was so effective. Uh, Hunter Stanley can be a mighty good closer this year, though. Is that not right?
4: I really do think that, but I think a lot of people. Uh, I think he's going to be a starter this year. Think so? I think. I think so. I think Scott Berry has uh, thought about moving to the starter position because you're going to need that fourth guy out of the pen. Mm-hmm. Um And look, as I said, Nick Sandlin did it. Well, Maybe he sure he did it. it. He
2: did, he did it in style against Mississippi State. I'll, I, if I live to be 150, I won't ever forget that night. so so if you move if you move Stanley to a starting role, then who steps in? You think as the closer, Heath?
4: Um, you got choices out there. You've got Ock. Uh, you've got some different guys that can close for you. I think it's like one of those. You've got a. You got a treasure. You got a box of riches out there in the bullpen. You can go it so many different ways. Right. right. I mean, I, I think Ock is one of those guys that's set up closers. I think is going to make a big difference. You're getting Cody Carroll coming back. People forget Cody Carroll's coming back this year, who's been really good out of bullpen. So he's got a lot of options. I don't know if he's just going to go one guy as a closer, or it may be a closer by committee.
2: Well, we're going to start learning the answers to all these questions in a little over a week, Heath. And I know you're just about as excited about it as I am. And, uh, hey, I appreciate the extra appearance this week. I wanted to get your input on this news that broke just just before we went on the air. Uh, thanks for
4: having me, Bob. It's nothing better than
2: baseball at Southern Miss. There we go. Heath Hinton, everybody. Big Gold Nation, sign up today. Stay on top of Southern Miss athletics. Big Gold Nation, Eagle Hour. Really wouldn't ever need anything else. Thanks, Heath. Thanks, Heath. We'll be back in a minute. Kelly Center joins me.
0: Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
2: Third segment of the Eagle Hour, sponsored every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill. I'm sure they had a great lunch there today, and I can tell you that tomorrow they'll have the best catfish that you'll eat anywhere. And being a Delta boy, I'm pretty much an expert on catfish, and it's about as good as you'll find at 4th Street Bar and Grill each and every Friday, just $8.95. Catfish and all the trimmings, and that kicks you off for a great weekend, just in the shadow of the rock with our buddies uh, slaying and the guys at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Kelly Sander joins me now. He's, he's pretty knowledgeable about food himself. And, uh, Kelly, I'm sure that uh, you would attest to the good food at 4th Street Bar and Grill.
1: Yeah, and, and I don't think, Bob, that you're, gonna, that you're really going to have any of your outdoor plans uh, <laughs> ruined. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think you're going to have any of your outdoor plans, you know. I don't think you're going to go outside anywhere right. this weekend, by the way this weather forecast looks. So a trip to 4th Street. <coughs> Might be in the offing for you because you know the, the women's softball team scheduled to have a tournament this weekend and and if they're able to get it in, I mean cold and and wet and it just it wouldn't be necessarily the best of conditions to be watching um, softball in. Now the men, of course, are entertaining North Texas on on Friday and Saturday afternoon, and thank goodness that those those games are indoors. But <laughs> I know that uh, that Coach Barry and the baseball team are glad that they've got another week to go before the demons of northwestern state come in here because this this weekend will not be ideal uh, uh, weather-wise to be doing anything outdoors so a trip to 4th street might be might right. be kind of fun
2: well of course every year at baseball you you've got to have those four or five games that are so bitterly cold that you have to defrost when you get back home at night and uh could could very well be pretty soon kelly based on what we're seeing here today
1: well you just again be thankful it's not this weekend because because remember if if you're a fan that doesn't like the cold and so on they're going to play these games because remember we talked about the new turf going in right and coach Barry was talking about how efficient that that turf is going to be able to drain so there's going to be very few rainouts right this year so if you're a baseball fan and and you know you're kind of praying for a rainout if the, if the weather's bad so you're not going to miss a game well they're going to play probably
2: uh, suck it so, up buttercup is that what you're yeah, saying th-
1: that's right you're going to miss the games so yeah but a but a week from tomorrow the yeah. countdown is on a week Pretty from tomorrow exciting. the eagles will hit the diamond against the demons
2: do you guys allow this this rainy nasty weather inside the gates out there at Cambridge kelly or is it does it have to stop at the gates
1: no it's it's part of our it's part of our uh um, covenants you know and and we pay extra not
2: know. to have bad weather out there I understand. Correct. Well, you know, I, I don't really know how you guys live up there. I, I just hear bits and pieces from you from time to time, and, uh, and
1: and the people who happen to fall behind on their on their dues, so to speak, it does rain on their houses occasionally. <laughs> I see. But I see. <laughs> it must be a computer program or something. Like that. Uh, I, I,
2: well, if if there is one like that, I'm sure it's out of canebrake. I'm sure. There's, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. There's no question. <laughs> All right. Well, now, Kelly, one thing that we know is going to be played is basketball. And, uh, you know, we had a long conversation earlier this week. Uh, you you were with me uh, yesterday, I guess, with the basketball right. coach. And uh, what, a, what a fantastic guy. I mean, he's just got to give the guy a chance. But, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, their backs are really up against the wall starting tomorrow, aren't they?
1: Yeah, North Texas comes in here. And, and when you look at the – now, again – we talked about how this six-game stretch against you know Louisiana Tech and against Rice and now against North Texas, some brutal you know competition in the West. But after this, now the schedule softens a little bit as they go to the East and take on the Fu schools, you know FIU and FAU. And when you look at the standings, FIU is at is at the is at the bottom uh, of the East. Uh, now the Eagles are going to have to, I think, go. You know, go to one of those schools, but FAU isn't much better. Okay, so I say all that um, to say when you look at the at the West standings, the Eagles are only a game behind UTEP, all right, in, in wins in the Western Division. So, um, but now they're three games behind uh, behind UTSA, and the Roadrunners have that tiebreaker. So, if the Eagles happen to get swept this weekend at home against North Texas, which North Texas is favored, even though they're on the road. Um, but if they get swept against North Texas, it's going to be nearly impossible for them to get into the tournament, you know, with the tiebreakers and things that are going to take place. So they've got to at least split and then, and then get on a roll, you know, the remaining four games in order to make the, the Conference USA tournament. So big, big series. If, according to Jay Ladner, one of their goals was to make the Conference tournament, okay? So in order for them to do that, again, they're going to have to at least split with North Texas this weekend, and if they can get one of those games, Bob, we've always talked about how confidence breeds competence, you know, because the schedule is going to get a little bit easier with the two, the two uh, Florida schools, and then if they can, you know, maybe get on a roll and, you know, UTEP stub its toe a little bit, and, and UTSA maybe come back to the field, but again, they're going to have to overtake UTSA in the standings because the roadrunners have the tiebreaker with Southern Miss, right. so it's still an uphill climb, but it's doable. If they at least split with North Texas. right? So this by far is the biggest series so far this year. They've got to win at least one of the two, mm-hmm. I would think.
2: Also, I want to point out the ladies will be back in action, Joy Lee McNellis and her girls, and uh, they'll be at North Texas. So, you know, they're doing pretty well. They're, they've been playing well as of late. You, you hope that this week that they lost because of the COVID situation doesn't stump the momentum. But uh, right now, uh, Joy Lee's got her girls playing pretty pretty strong.
1: And, and just when you get rolling again, here comes another bout of COVID, so right. you can't develop any consistency. That's been what's pulling people's hair out. Right? You know, it's just when you get on a roll, man, boom, you get, like you say, you get halted in your tracks and you have to start all over again. It's just been extremely frustrating. And it wouldn't surprise me if there are record retirements with basketball coaches this no, year. You couldn't blame them. <laughs> No, you sure can't. It's very, no. very tough. To, to
2: have to deal with. So. Look, I want to ask you about this, Kelly. We we spent the first half of the show talking about all the USM pick to win the West and Conference USA baseball and what have you. Uh, and uh, and he th- made the comment to me that he thinks this will be the best year of college baseball in a long time because of so many kids that came back that otherwise would have gone into the major league draft. Now, I think you said earlier this week you, you gave a stat on how many minor league baseball teams are just not operating and we don't know what the future holds, but do you anticipate that all of those minor league teams will be put back in operation when COVID finally passes? And if not, what impact long-term will that have on college baseball?
1: I don't think it's going to have – I think it'll, it'll be good news for college baseball as far as guys completing their careers at the college level because there won't be anywhere else to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the, the – the general manager of the New York Yankees said today, you know, because the major league baseball players rejected the owner's proposal of delaying the season and shortening it to 154 games. So let's, let's start at the beginning. So what does this mean? This means that spring training is going to begin as scheduled February 17th, 18th and 19th. That's next week. That is next week. Spring training is going to start. Okay. As much as the city of Phoenix wanted spring training to be delayed because of COVID problems out in Arizona, it's going to start on time. Now, how is this for irony? That means the Major League Baseball season is going to start on April 1st. And what is April 1st? April Fool's Day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they're going to to start Major League Baseball on April 1st as scheduled. The players are going to be subject to protocols like they were last year. But, yeah, well over 100 minor league teams – have been scratched. And I think what's going to happen, I think your AA and AAA teams are going to be okay. But these rookie league teams, these high A and low A teams and, that have been spread out all over the place, I think for the time being and for the near future, they're going to go the way of the Buffalo. I don't think they're coming back. And I think when Major League finds out, the Major, major Leagues find out how much money that they're going to be able to save by not bringing them back, I think that's going to be good news for college baseball as far as guys finishing their careers at the college level. It will be bad news for college baseball players because there won't be as many rounds in the Major League Baseball draft as evidenced by this past year. Prior to this past year, the amateur draft was 40 rounds. This past year, it was just five. Right. So if you thought you had to be a good baseball player before, how about going forward? So that's going to make that college degree even more valuable. Right. Look, it, there's nothing wrong with having the dream of playing major league ball, but guys, get that degree and be ready to get a, a real job because the the job of playing major league baseball has just gotten one heck of a lot tougher.
2: And it's not like it was easy to begin with. I mean, how many Correct. how many kids that are drafted? after their junior year, I don't know the percentage, but I'm going to say it's a very, very, very small percentage that ever play on a major league baseball team.
1: And what makes it even more difficult in the United States compared to, say, football or basketball, is that there's not the competition from the Dominican and Hispanic and Latino players. Like There are very few Latino basketball and football players, for example. Right Now, you know, the Europeans are making their way into the NBA, you know, but football-wise, there's very few, you know, Europeans and Latinos. But in Major League Baseball, you know, those are, those are even more great players you're going to have to compete with. Right. So, man, oh, man, you better really be good. Right.
2: All right, when we come back, since Kelly brought it up, I, I do want to touch real briefly on the NBA stepping in it yet again. Uh, this time the Dallas Mavericks and what the league did to try to I think avoid another tremendously black black eye and I'm sure Kelly will have some other tidbits as well the Eagle Hour right after this four minute break will wrap up Thursday hope you'll stay with us
0: miss to the top welcome
2: back glad you're with us thanks for tuning in this rainy afternoon here in south mississippi this segment sponsored by d1 training at d bat on highway or hardy street rather not highway 98 hardy street in hattiesburg it is a state-of-the-art facility has a 70 yard indoor training uh, artificial turf facility just the latest of all the equipment expert trainers Uh, D-BAT helps kids and adults with baseball and softball. D-1 training will help you get ready for any sport that you're planning to tackle or just help you get in the best shape of your life. Check out their website. uh, Give them a call. Drop in and see them on Hardy Street. Tell them the Eagle Hour sent you and uh, find out the great world of D-BAT and D-1 training. Kelly Sander, you mentioned something. uh, uh, We'll get away a little bit from Southern Miss Sports here in the last segment. You mentioned something about the NBA, and, Thought it was interesting that uh, the NBA has to override uh, Mark Cuban, who had apparently decided that playing the national anthem was no longer in vogue, and uh, the NBA stepped in and said, "No, everybody's going to play the national anthem." Uh, has the NBA learned a lesson from what happened to him last year? You think?
1: I think it's going to be it's going to be up to each and, and every. Every individual, you know, owner or how I don't know how the league is structured, how their how their, uh, you know, corporation is set up and, and whether teams can make that decision on their own or not. But, you know, I mean, going back to the Colin Kaepernick situation in the NFL teams that, you know, there there are consequences to all decisions that teams make. Now, Louie just heard that and certainly doesn't like it. Louis didn't
2: like uh, it, did he?
1: No, he's complaining about it as we speak. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, every, teams that, that choose not to play it, um, you know, well, there are consequences, you know, to those to those actions. And guess what? Those consequences will probably be they will be of of a financial nature. Correct. Um, and the only thing that fans can do to combat that is to endorse the product by spending money through ticket sales or. Pay per view watching it on TV or not. You know, we were joking about the Super Bowl the other day and that I didn't watch the Super Bowl and I don't, you know, I just don't want to watch Tom Brady anymore. So the only thing I can do is not watch. I know it doesn't, it's not going to do any good, but that's all I can do as an individual.
2: Well, I'm going to tell you, Kelly, apparently the NFL has paid a price for all of the stuff that went on in the league earlier part of the year in particular because I read where the Super Bowl ratings were. Were dramatically down the the lowest in about 15 years down to i think they said from 125 to 90 million people uh in the last year and i just i just believe that some of that was that i've just heard too many people say they've just been turned off of professional sports by all of the woke political activity
1: and again there's there's going to be a price there and and i, I you might disagree with me, Bob, but I do think a lot of it—not not a lot of it—but I do think there is an element that people are just tired of Tom Brady. Um, I just think that you know, look, and again, yeah, he's—he's he's pretty good. Um, <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm—I'm <laughs> I'm not going to say the the other G word, but I I'm, oh. I'm just people are tired of it. You know, they just want want to see something else. You know, um, but but yeah, I mean, so they're going to have to. They're going to have and 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 we found what's interesting is all the latest data suggests that when it comes to viewership with younger people, this really blew us away. The only sport that is gaining viewers with these woke millennials was was which one? Do you remember
2: NASCAR? Wasn't it NASCAR? Who would have thought that? Yeah.
1: Can you and you know Michael Jordan has a NASCAR team this year. Yeah. Pit Bull the, the hip hop rapper, he's got a team in NASCAR this year. So the younger kids apparently are, are being turned on to NASCAR. Which, which
2: surprises you because NASCAR is anything but woke, Kelly.
1: Well in, in the past that that was the that was the, the knock on Nascar that it was just a bunch of rednecks that were intolerant. Right. You know? Um but for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's the way that, that NASCAR is marketing itself, but and, of course, with people like Michael Jordan signing on and, and Pitbull and some of these younger, uh, iconic figures that the younger generation tends to gravitate to, you know, maybe, maybe that's the secret, but it, they're certainly cashing in on it now Is the, the great American race, the Daytona 500 this weekend, 101,000 seats. They, they are going to limit seating um, this Sunday, but when you try to pin the Daytona officials down, they won't say exactly, <laughs> how many people they're going to let in uh
2: so i wouldn't, wouldn't i wouldn't want to be the ones turning those guys down that have been out there for three days drinking beer and party and waiting on the race would you
1: yeah a, a real dangerous combination is beer <laughs> sunshine and big fat dumb guys that's, 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 that's not, not yeah, a real good combination Yeah,
4: you're right uh, and that's so. Kelly
2: J. Center, and we will publish his uh, email address and phone number later. That called all you NASCAR guys, big fat dumb white guys. So uh, we'll we'll be sure to get that uh, personal information up on Kelly, where where you can reach out and uh, touch him later in the day.
1: And, and look, if I had a ticket, I'd be right there in the mosh pit. All of oh, man, you myself. both.
2: They have a good time, and God bless them. That's what I say yeah, for about sure. the NASCAR nation.
1: Sure. All
2: right, that wraps up a rainy day. We're going to have uh, Patrick McGee on the show tomorrow. He was uh, on a breaking news story on the coast this afternoon. Kelly will rejoin me, and I think Luke will be back tomorrow. So we're looking forward to the show. Yeah, and
1: I hope, I hope they get softball in this weekend, Bob. I really do. Absolutely. Know, something to do outside. I heard
2: the girls from North Dakota are out sunbathing as we speak, Kelly, so they're they're not affecting it anyway. Yes, yeah.
1: a... SPF 45,
2: I understand. Right. <laughs> Southern Miss. To the top. I
4: going
0: to fly like an eagle to the sea.